His Worship the Goose Driver by Arnold Bennett. One. It was an amiable but deceitful afternoon in the third week of December. Snow fell heavily in the windows of the confectioner's shops, and Father Christmas smiled in Keats's bazaar the fawning smile of a myth who knows himself to be exploded. But beyond these and similar efforts to remedy the forgetfulness of a careless climate, there was no sign anywhere in the five towns, and especially in Bursley, of the immediate approach of the season of peace, goodwill, and gluttony on earth. At the Tiger, next door to Keats's in the marketplace, Mr. Josiah Topham Curtenty had put down his glass. The port was kept specially for him. And told his boon companion, Mr. Gordon, that he must be going. These two men had one powerful sentiment in common: they loved the same woman. Mr. Curtenty, aged twenty-six in heart, thirty-six in mind, and forty-six in looks, was fifty-six only in years. He was a rich man. He had made money as an earthenware manufacturer in the good old times before Satan was ingenious enough to invent German competition. American tariffs and the price of coal. He was still making money with the aid of his son Harry, who now managed the works. But he never admitted that he was making it. No one has yet succeeded, and no one ever will succeed, in catching an earthenware manufacturer in the act of making money. He may confess with a sigh that he has performed the feat in the past. He may give utterance to a vague, preposterous hope that he will perform it again in the remote future. But as for surprising him in the very act, you would as easily surprise a hen laying an egg. Nowadays, Mr. Curtenty, commercially secure, spent most of his energy in helping to shape and to control the high destinies of the town. He was deputy mayor and chairman of the general purposes committee of the town council. He was also a guardian of the poor, a justice of the peace, president of the society for the prosecution of felons. A sidesman, an odd fellow, and several other things that meant dining, shrewdness, and good nature. He was a short, stiff, stout, red-faced man, jolly with the jollity that springs from a kind heart, a humorous disposition, and perfect digestion, and the respectful deference of one's bank manager. Without being a member of the Browning Society, he held firmly to the belief that all's right with the world. Mr. Gordon, who has but a sorry part in the drama, was a younger, quieter, less forceful person, rather shy, a municipal mediocrity, perhaps a little inflated that day by reason of his having been elected to the chairmanship of the Gas and Lighting Committee. Both men had sat on their committees at the town hall across the way that deceitful afternoon, and we see them now after refreshment well earned and consumed. About to separate and sink into private life, but as they came out into the portico of the Tiger, the famous Calypso-like barmaid of the Tiger, a hovering enchantment in the background, it occurred that a flock of geese were meditating, as geese will, in the middle of the road. The gooseherd, a shabby middle-aged man, looked as though he had recently lost the Battle of Marathon, and was asking himself whether the path of his retreat might not lie through the bar parlor of the Tiger. The business pretty good," Mr. Curtenty inquired of him cheerfully. In the five towns, business takes the place of weather as a topic of salutation. Business," 
echoed the gooseherd. In that one unassisted noun, scorning the aid of verb, adjective, or adverb, the gooseherd, by a masterpiece of profound and subtle emphasis, contrived to express the fact that he existed in a world of dead illusions, that he had become a convert to Schopenhauer, and that Mr. Curtenty's inapposite geniality was a final grievance to him. "'There ain't no business,' he added. "'Ah!' returned Mr. Curtenty, thoughtful. Such an assertion of the entire absence of business was a reflection upon the town. "'See thee,' said the goose-herd in ruthless accents. "'I drove these ere geese into this ere town this morning.' Here he exaggerated the number of miles traversed. Twelve geese and two gander, a brent and a barnacle. And how many is there now? How many?' 